Well, after an interesting weekend of racing at Daytona International Super Speedway, we have plenty to go over. We will discuss Austin Dillon and Jeremy Clements winning over the weekend, locking themselves into their respective playoffs. We'll also go over some of the decisions made by NASCAR officials from the finish of the Saturday Xfinity race to Sunday's Turn 1 Melee. And we have all this to discuss and more on this episode of 3 Wide. Quite a lengthy rain delay before the start of the Xfinity Series race. Ultimately, they were able to get it going. And it started out a really, you know, exciting race. A lot of close racing, side-by-side, three-wide, drafting, everything going on. But no crashes. Everybody was keeping it clean. That would turn into chaos in Stage 3. And Jeremy Clements, he was ultimately able to survive and get his second career win and hold off. Timmy Hill and A.J. Elmendinger after three overtimes and lock himself into the playoffs. Behind him in the top ten, you had Timmy Hill in second, A.J. Elmendinger in third. Brandon Brown finished in fourth, followed by Sage Karam in fifth. Ryan Vargas finished in sixth with Ty Gibbs in seventh. Alex LeBay, he finished in eighth with J.J. Ailey in ninth. And Kyle Sieg rounded out the top ten. And like I said, the first two stages, it was some exciting racing. I mean, these guys were doing everything but wrecking. AJ was throwing some pretty rough blocks as far as aggressiveness to stay in the lead early on. But like everybody, the only instance we really had there at the beginning was you had Sammy Smith get out of shape and crash in stage one, ending his night early. Uh, In stage two, you had Sheldon Creed get spun there towards the end of that stage. Uh, He was able to keep it off the wall and continue his race on for a little bit longer. And the third stage, just like everyone just pretty much forgot to drive. Everyone forgot what they were doing. There were six cautions that, you know, took a lot of contenders out, a lot of big names. And all of these wrecks happened in the last 47 laps, and that's counting the overtime laps. So when you lose so many quality cars, it really takes away from the race and the finish. You know, you you're, you have a greater chance of getting that upset winner, but it doesn't feel quite as monumental as it should when that driver doesn't come to the line holding off some of the top drivers. You know, Noah Gregson, he was the strongest driver, you know, without a doubt all night, leading, I believe it was 52 laps. And AJ was another strong car. He was still up in the running, but his car just wasn't up to full snuff. But and that's not to take away from Jeremy or his team. He he did what needed to be done to win this race. He kept his car clean. He did a great job with that and was able to get a huge victory for him and his guys. Get them in the playoffs. That that's huge for that team alone. So I don't want to take anything away from him on that. But there in the that last stretch of the race, you know, you had crashes that included, you know, Sheldon Creed, who was a very aggressive throughout the race, running up front most of the day. Uh, Sam Mayer, Justin Allgaier, and Josh Berry got taken out in one instant. That one also included AJ. That's where he got his damage. There were, you know, three contenders from Junior Motorsports taken out in that wreck. You know, you have more with Daniel Hemrick, Brandon Jones being taken out, Jeff Burton. You know, as these crashes went on, a lot of the big names were getting taken out of the running. And you look at the top 10, like I mentioned, Alex LeBay, Brandon Brown, Kyle Sieg, they all got caught up in some of those overtime crashes, but they were still able to get a top 10. And, I mean, these are these were guys with some heavy damage. Kyle Sieg came into the pit road after his crash 
with his hood up on his windshield. And Alex LeBay and Brandon Brown, they were just limping around the track, smoke coming from the car. I mean, they were pretty well tore up. And, you know, heck, Brandon Brown comes away with a fourth-place finish. That just shows how depleted the field was there at the end. And, you know, I hate it mainly for a guy like, you know, Noah. He was probably the strongest car all day. It was probably going to be a battle between him and I think Austin Hill if everyone had kept running like they were. Austin had gotten some damage on pit road, but still was such a strong car showing, you know, that this type of racing is his strength. He was able to hang on, keep the car clean, at least through the end and get a 14th place finish. And, you know, was restarting there in the overtimes up there in the lead. And he had some battery issues, was not able to maintain pace. So uh, a wild finish to a race. I was just sitting in bed watching it, wondering when it was going to end. And, that leads to my question, did NASCAR wait until the leader took the white on that third overtime attempt to throw the caution and go ahead and end the race? You had Riley Hurt spin out before the pit road entry, just before it. He started sliding back up the track, and the yellow was thrown as the, the last car to get around him was going by him. And two cars had already worked their way around him and avoided him. No yellow was thrown, and then all of a sudden, bam, it comes out after the leaders had taken the white flag. I, I think NASCAR said enough. It had been a long day between the rain delay, all these big crashes and the cautions. I mean, here in Alabama, we were going into the, you know, we we're well past 12 o'clock going into 1230 by the time this was happening. So I think if they stuck with what they normally do, which is when they see a guy going back towards the track, they throw the caution it would have caused probably a fourth overtime finish. It was going to be close, but I think NASCAR took the action they could to make sure that didn't happen. And, you know, that's a shame. It felt like we, we had sat through all this. Uh, the best analogy I can think of is it's like you pay for a movie, you go and watch it, and the first part, first half of the movie is really setting up well, like, wow, this is, this is great. I'm so glad we're, we came. We watched this. And by the time the ending starts rolling around, everybody, everything's getting set up. You're thinking, where, where in the world did we go wrong with this movie? I mean, what were the producers and the directors thinking? Everything's just going completely wrong. And then before you hit the ending of the movie, what you've sat there the whole thing through, the manager comes in, turns off the movie and says, I'm sorry, y'all. I just, you know, this thing went terrible. I think we've had enough. We're just going to call it for you and call it a day that's the best way I could could describe it is the way that I felt. We had sat there through all this. It was setting up to be a great finish between AJ, Timmy Hill, and Jeremy Clements. And ultimately we we weren't able to see that. I was, you know, me personally sitting there pulling for Timmy Hill, who's just done so much of this sport. I feel like that would have been, you know, a much more big of a upset than Jeremy Clements. But NASCAR throws the caution, and we kind of miss out on what might have been a you know pretty interesting ending to the race, and what was a heck of a cluster of a finish to you know to this race. So part of me says, you know what, I can't blame NASCAR, but as a fan sitting at home watching it, you know, it, it just felt like we you know kind of cheated out of it a little bit. I don't know what the fans at the track itself that had paid to be there felt like. I would have wanted to see this thing play out. Let's race to the checkered flag. But ultimately, that didn't happen. And NASCAR just 
merciful, <laughs> mercifully, I guess you could say, ended this race before they could, you know, before it could be even bigger of a mess than what it was. So moving from one cluster of a race to the next, we had the Coke 0400, what was supposed to be Saturday night, but due to rain, it was postponed until Sunday morning. And the main news going into this race was that Kurt Busch on Thursday announced that he was pulling his playoff waiver. That would put Martin Trex Jr. in the final spot for a playoff position. And he was up 187 points on the next person in line. So a new winner was going to be necessary for anything to change in the playoff standings. And Austin Dillon would get the win after surviving a monster crash in turn one and being able to get around and hold off Austin Cindric. So with that, the top 10 behind him, you had his teammate Tyler Reddick in second, Austin Cindric in third. Landon Castle finished in fourth, followed by Noah Gregson in fifth. Cody Ware finished sixth, and B.J. McLeod in seventh. Martin Truex Jr. finished eighth, David Reagan ninth, and Kyle Busch rounded out the top ten. And there was a lot that went on throughout this race. We, we had some big crashes early that we'll get to here in just a little bit, but the main one was a huge crash going into turn one with 23 laps to go. The drivers drove in two, three wide, going battling for the lead and everyone just kind of lost control spun out the track was wet the big question was when did the rain start justin haley said he was told by his spotter brett griffin that it was raining when they were coming out of turn two the lap before uh justin haley was very vocal uh you know angry upset with how everything turned out which was understandable he had a good car and being a pretty pretty solid super speedway racer this was a good shot for him to get a win get an upset berth into the playoffs so that ended his day along with a lot of others they did show the in-car camera or well the car the camera from the roof and played his spotter's audio and what was interesting was it sounded like his spotter didn't mention anything about rain until they were coming out of turn four heading into the trioval now whether that was synced up at accurate time, I'm not sure how the timing works with that. But if it was accurate, then Justin was not told of it until coming out of turn four when Brett said, hey, it's raining up here. Don't lift. Keep going. Keep pushing forward because who knows what's going to happen. They may get ready to call this thing. I did have a, a friend who was at the race, Javi Gonzalez. He was at the race sitting uh, at pit road exit, he said. And I asked him, you know, was he there? Did he get to see the instant, the wreck going into turn one? He said he did, that the rain started the lap before. It was really light, almost nothing. And once the wreck happened, then it really started to come a downpour. So looking at all that, the question is, was, you know, what was going on with the rain here? Did NASCAR think they were okay? Did the rain start? Was it just so light? They thought they'd be okay, but maybe with the track being at probably its peak temperature as far as heat and that little bit of rain they got, did that just completely slick it up and send them up into the wall? You know, did it hit so fast that NASCAR didn't even have a chance to react? I, I'm, I'm not sure on the timing of everything, how that worked. It was interesting to me that Javi said how light it was, you know, when they were coming around or the how light the rain was the lap before. And Denny Hamlin, he was very vocal on Twitter post-race or well not post-race but after you know the crash happened he got caught up in it and he definitely had his own take of it of course he he tweeted thinking about how we avoid circumstances like we had today maybe we should be more proactive instead of reactive if we wait until the track gets wet 
isn't it already too late? You can't hold off because of the threat of rain, but when you see it, then we should probably stop. And, you know, that's the thing is, did NASCAR see it? How were they aware of how wet the track was? I'm not sure. I don't know how proactive you can be with weather. I mean, if you're going to, you know, go off the threat of the weather, then would they even have turned a lap Sunday morning or would they have held off even longer? I'm not sure. Uh, I understand drivers are upset. Fans are upset because it seemed like NASCAR, you know, let them race on a wet track originally, but just with, with the way it's going back and rewatching everything, getting my friend who was down there's comments, seeing camera angles. It's just to me, a very questionable situation is how hard the rain was going. I think, you know, obviously NASCAR, could have thrown the caution better safe than sorry driver safety is number one but again i was not at the track i was not up there in the nascar officials box so not sure on that one um i will give props to nascar for not calling the race pretty much immediately like they probably would any other race throughout the season they waited out the rain so they could get it dry and give the drivers who were fighting for those last playoff spots a true chance at, at getting in and, you know, because this race was probably one of the third most important race on the NASCAR schedule, not as far as crown jewel events, but you look at the Daytona 500, it is always the biggest race of the year. But as far as wanting to see a race play out, I think the this race, the regular season finale the, and the final race go before Phoenix for the championship race and the championship race itself, they're going to want to have the best chance they can to run all the laps to give, you know, everyone a full race, everyone a full shot at whatever it be, whether it's a playoff berth, a shot at the championship, whatever it may be. I think the three races are there at the regular season finale, the last race before the championship and that championship race. NASCAR is going to do what they can to give it a green flag finish, a full distance run. So props to NASCAR for, you know, following through with that waiting out the rain and through the drying process and letting these guys get back on track and settle it amongst themselves. Now, going back to the wreck, you did have Kevin Harvick arguing that he was leading, you know, along with a lot of fans were also saying this on social media when the wreck happened. Harvick, he tried to split the middle where you had cars wrecking on the bottom and the outside, but as soon as he got there, the hole closed up, everybody came together, and he got heavy damage from it. And, you know, he said in his interview, NASCAR is making it up as they go. I disagree with Kevin on this because to me, I look at this as you're, you know, you, you had some major damage. Your progress was halted. It's not like, you know, you're driving through and say Harrison Burton was coming up the track and scraped the driver's side of your car, got you out of shape a little bit. But ultimately, you were able to keep going on. You, you had a wall come in front of you and could not make any more progress, whether the caution's out or not, you are now a part of that wreck in, in a more major way where you cannot continue on, continue through it and hold your position. Whereas Austin Dillon was able to sneak through and do that. And I understand he was hoping his main case was thinking that the race was going to be called and he would, should be the rightful winner. But the thing is you, he, he didn't even go back to racing when the track was ready. He, he didn't make another lap under green at this race. So it's kind of a moot point. I don't understand, you know, why that was such a hot topic among fans and Harvick himself of who was actually leading this race. But 
I digress. Let, moving on and moving on to Austin Dillon side of it, because you had fans mainly talking about Austin Dillon, and I saw some tweets talking about how he's ruined the three car legacy and the Dale Earnhardt legacy that that he created in that three car, and Austin's just a empty spot in the playoffs. He he's not going to do anything. Just yada yada yada. So I saw some stats go across social media. I have some of those included in here, as well as some, you know, that I did some digging on myself as far as Austin Dillon's merit and validity in the NASCAR playoffs this season. As when it comes to top fives, he has more top fives this season than Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, and he has just as many as William Byron with top tens. He has more top tens than Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin, and William Byron. His average finish is better than Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin, William Byron, and is the exact same as his teammate, two-time winner Tyler Reddick, who many, you know, have been singing the praises of this season, and rightfully so. But Austin, I say that Austin isn't somebody to sleep on. He's a consistent driver. He's not flashy. He he's just goes out there. He gets the job done, keeps his nose clean as best he can, and finishes races. And the reason I say don't sleep on him is look back to his start of the 2020 playoffs. He had a hot start. He finished second at Darlington. Uh, And at Darlington, where they're going for this first race for the playoffs, he has two top fives and five top tens in the last ten races of that track. The only playoff drivers with a better finish at Darlington than Austin is Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. So there's... There's more to Austin than meets the eye as far as, you know, stat-wise with wins and, and even top, overall top fives and top tens. He is a solid driver. He's like Chris Busher in a sense of, you know, he's consistent. He's, you know, not going to go out there and be flashy about it. He gets the job done. So don't sleep on Austin Dillon just because you think he doesn't earn, he, he doesn't belong in the playoffs. He does, and the stats show that. And going back to the to the race and the playoff battle, man, it, it got intense because, you know, for there towards the end, Austin Dillon lost the lead to Austin Cindric, and Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. were battling as far as for that final spot in the playoffs as far as who would be the first one out if Austin Dillon was able to get it back around Cindric. Uh, they, both Blaney and Truex had long days on the track. Ryan Blaney, he got damaged from a lap 32 crash. It was really a wreck that looked like it should have, you know, been the end of his day. He made some hard contact with the outside wall, but hats off to his crew. They were able to keep him going. He did lose six laps overall by the end of this race, but he was able to continue going. Truex, he had the same deal. He got involved in the accident. He got, you know, significant damage, but was able to continue. And at the end of the race, you had, you know, so many cars out of it. Not a whole lot of drafting help for for Truex, who was in the better seat to you know improve his position as compared to Blaney, who was kind of stuck where he was with six laps down. It just depended on if anybody fell out in front of him, you know, so he could you know spread that gap out a little bit. And at the end of the race, you did have a couple cars drop out, like Custer and Jones, and Blaney gained some spots while Truex actually faded. That put Blaney ahead of Truex. Truex ultimately missed the playoffs by three points to Ryan Blaney. With Austin Dillon getting that win, Blaney had three points up on Truex. So disheartening for Truex. You know, he, he's had a decent season. Always a, a championship contender whenever he gets in the playoffs. I, I'm, I hate to see him 
miss this year just because he, he is a solid driver. I've enjoyed watching Truex's career in the Cup Series, you know, where it looked like he was just done, just going to kind of, you know, mill around in the back of the field and, and a smaller team. But thanks to Furniture Row Racing, he's able to resurrect his career and really set the NASCAR world on fire with wins and winning a championship. So hate to see him miss out on it. But our playoff field is set, and you now have Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Belt, Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, Alex Bowman, and Austin Dillon all now have a shot at the championship. The first three races are at Darlington this upcoming weekend, the Southern 500. Then they go to Kansas and end round one at Bristol in what is sure to be an action-packed race. You know, could it be like last year? Could we see some some hard feelings and drivers possibly getting some payback or new rivalry started? Is it, is no telling. I feel like that's a smart move by NASCAR to end these these rounds at tracks like Bristol and and, and Martinsville. The road, you know, running them at these tracks that can cause some some high drama. As far as the playoff standings go, with the first four out after the first round, a uh, couple, you know drivers that are, I think are no surprise will be in trouble and will possibly fall out. Uh, my, the first two I will name is Alex Bowman and Chase Briscoe. Just simply, you know, Chase, he started the year out so hot and looked like he was going to be, you know, a, a true contender week in and week out. Since, as you know, momentum's been up and down with them. Stuart Haas Racing still not completely back to, to where they were back in their heyday, but they are getting stronger. Definitely a lot to look forward to in the future. However, this year, I just don't see Briscoe moving on past the first round. Alex Bowman, kind of the same deal with him once he won at Vegas. It's been a roller coaster season for him, just some, some tough races. And now his crew chief has announced that he will not be back after this season. I, I don't see him getting past the first round. And a couple surprising names as far as, number one, where they may be in the standings. And then, number two, just being former champions a former champion that I don't think will make it past the first round. Uh, number one is William Byron. I think he is eliminated just because of the same. He does have, uh, he had a couple early wins since then, just has not shown that much. He hasn't had the best, you know, season as far as continuing on that momentum. Uh, Kyle Bush is my other pick is probably the more surprising of the picks. And the reason I say that is uh, the same thing with him. It's just been kind of inconsistency here lately. He's had some rough runs. And I just feel like the whole contract situation, where's Kyle going to go, is going to be kind of like a black cloud over his head. I, I, I just think that's not going to be a good round for him. I could be wrong. You know, Bristol is a great track for him. That, that could be an excellent chance for him to get some solid points and move on to the next round. But – Ultimately, my first four out is Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, William Byron, and Kyle Busch. Uh, the reason I didn't go with Austin Sendrick is because he has really been on a uptick here lately, especially over the past couple months. Austin Dillon, as I said, he is solid at these three tracks, especially Darlington. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him carry on this momentum and you know just be able to move on to the next round. Same with Daniel Suarez. He is solid enough. Track house has enough speed. I think he will be able to get through the next round. So will any of that be true? I'm, you know, 
we, we, we shall see. William Byron had a strong run at Darlington in the spring before the whole incident with jo- Joey Logano that took him out of the chance for the win. That could be a perfect place for him to get a rebound. So, we, we all in all, we shall see. But it, it's going to be an interesting first round. A lot of big names in this playoff field. And it'll be interesting to see which ones get cut after the first three races. This week was a little bit tougher to pick out a spotlight driver just with all the the mayhem that went in in both races. You know, it was tough to pick a driver that that just kind of had a solid race day from start to finish. Um, But ultimately, the two drivers I picked are guys who wound up pushing the winners to victory. In the Xfinity Series, I'm going with Timmy Hill, who pushed Jeremy Clements past AJ for the win. This is Timmy's second overall top five in the Xfinity Series. He finished third at Daytona in 2020. And Timmy's just overall just a, a, a good guy, fun guy to pull for. He's, you know, back during COVID, during the you know shutdown, and they were doing all the races. He wound up winning one of those at the race at Texas. And that was a pretty popular win as far as, you know, even though it didn't count it for fans to watch, people were pulling for him. So he got a chance to shine, finishing second. Didn't get up there and do anything just crazy or stupid to ruin possibly his race as well as Jeremy Clements. He he pushed Jeremy onto the victory. And on the Cup Series side, I'm going with Tyler Reddick as my spotlight driver just for being an overall, I mean, true team player. With all the talk that's going on with him leaving RCR, the feelings back there in the shop between Richard Childress and Tyler himself, Tyler pushes his teammate to the lead after, well, I say pushes him to the lead. He pushed him into the back of Austin Sendrick where Dylan knocked Sendrick out the way, but stuck behind his teammate, you know, blocked for him, didn't do anything to jeopardize Austin's win, a chance uh, for Austin to get the win and gets both RCR cars in the playoffs so that that's a huge thumbs up to Tyler Reddick for that. You know, that I'm sure that will get him some some extra points with back at the shop with RC. But those are my two spotlight drivers simply for looking at the bigger picture, not doing anything crazy or, or stupid, like I said, to to mess up somebody else's chance at a win or possibly cause even more mayhem in the race. And now we look ahead to Darlington's Labor Day weekend, Southern 500 historic race, true crown jewel of the sport. And the Xfinity Series and Cup Series will be in action. On the Xfinity side, Noah Gregson is the defending winner of this race. So he, he will definitely be one to watch. He's had, you know, continues his strong season, strongest season he's had of his career. But keep an eye on Justin Allgaier, who won this past spring at Darlington in the seven car. He will be strong as well. I think it's going to be a good weekend for junior motorsports on the Xfinity side of things. And the big question is, will Ryan Sieg or Sheldon Creed be able to make up any ground to Landon Castle for the final spot in the playoffs? Or does somebody somehow sneak up in there and become another upset winner? Time will tell. We'll find out Saturday. On Sunday, we will have the Cup Series where Denny Hamlin is the defending race winner. Now, with this new car, Joey Logano won the spring race with it, so he will be looking to continue that winning streak at Darlington with this new next-gen car. However, keep an eye on Richard Childress Racing as a whole. Tyler Reddick, he finished second there in the spring after the deal with Joey and William Byron. He was able to take advantage of it, come away with second. Austin Dillon, as I mentioned earlier, he has a couple top fives and five top tens at this track, so he will be one to watch as well. 
to possibly sneak in. And if he can just get some good solid stage points, and this is for all the guys under the cut, uh, cut line at the moment, if they can go in there, have a solid day, get some stage points, do anything to get themselves above that cut line, it will drastically change this the way this playoffs look. I mean, look at the truck series with what Grant Enfinger has done in the two races so far for that series. He's went from, you know, looking like he, you know, fringe playoff driver probably shouldn't be in there to now looking pretty solid and, and might be a, a good threat for the championship if he's able to continue the momentum. So anything can happen from here on out. Expect the unexpected at these playoff races. You're going to start seeing, you know, tension and tempers getting high and drivers are going to start being more aggressive out on the track since now it, it is, you know, all on the line. Everybody knows where they stand. So it's going to be an exciting 10 races to watch for the Cup Series, and you will not want to miss one week of action. And that will wrap up this week's episode of Three Wide. As always, I thank you for joining me and listening along. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to your podcast from. If you have subscribed, feel free to leave a review. Let me know what you think of the show. And I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week. We will meet back same time next week and go over all the action that happened over the Labor Day weekend at Darlington Raceway.